Disclaimer, we are not licensed professionals. The conversations we have about our mental health and well-being come from our own personal experiences. We hope these open conversations will encourage our audience to take notice and ownership of their own mental and emotional well-being, and maybe, just maybe, provide some cathartic laughs along the way. All right, well, let's get into it. Welcome to Therapy Check, a podcast dedicated to addressing and readdressing the trials and tribulations we have faced as women of color. This podcast not only speaks on the beautiful and the messed up, but also offers some unsolicited, if not needed, advice. I'm Breezy. I'm Andrea. And we are Therapy Check. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Therapy Check. This week, we're going to talk about our experiences as our race, because we did say that we met because of University of Oregon Housing, but we haven't really gotten into the details of what happened, our experiences, and let me tell you, it's a lot. Yeah, RA life. What's a RA? Does everyone know what that means? I don't think so. All right, so RA means resident assistant. So in whatever university you are, there's going to have housing. And with that housing, they're going to have resident assistants, and they are pretty much in charge of a certain part of a building where residents reside, and they make sure like students stay safe, they're not doing stuff they're not supposed to, and then we just kind of report to whoever's in charge of that building. Kind of like a snitch job, to be honest. Mm. But a lot of people, like me, I started to be an RA because I needed the financial help, because when you're an RA, you don't have to pay for housing. So it's free housing, free meals, and that was a big help for me. So that's like one of the main reasons I decided to become an RA. But like, Breezy, do you want to like tell us how you started? Let's just start from the very beginning of our experience with housing. Let's go back to freshman year before we even thought of being an RA. (laughs) So freshman year, I was from out of state. I knew exactly zero people going to the University of Oregon from Minnesota. And so my first thought was just the hell am I doing? And so if you're if you're pro RA, you you can think of them as babysitters. If you're anti RA, we are just snitches with no real institutional power. We just sit around and jot down notes and tell your mom and dad <laughs> that you haven't been behaving. So I became an RA. Well the application reason I gave was because I wanted to support our residents and make sure that they feel supported in the ways I wasn't. But like Andy, I was also there for the financial support. I didn't really have anywhere to go. And I was 18, not really thinking about having my own apartment and being a real adult. So I figured, let's just stay on campus for all four years. So my experience with housing, I didn't really know I'm a first gen so I didn't really know what was going on I went my freshman year and when we were freshmen we weren't required to live in the dorms but I really wanted to because you know growing up watching those college movies you're like oh my god the dorms it's where it's at and I didn't really know again I didn't really know how to be an adult getting my own apartment so I went into housing and you couldn't choose where you wanted to live but you could say like oh I want my room to have a sink So both of us, Breezy and I, we lived in Carson Hall, Mm -hmm. and we had a communal shower and bathroom. 
but each room had their own sink, which that alone helped a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was my first time living in a dorm, and of all of my siblings and just my family, I was the first to go out of state and go far away from home. So I, I guess I'm kind of the more independent one. I went to campus, and I just say. It was very, very different for me. I went to a school where you had legacies in the sense that we had families that went through the same school system and your teachers would know who you are because you were so-and-so's little sister or little brother. So I went from a town where everyone kind of knew everybody in their family to, I don't know you, who is this? (laughs) Everyone's from Portland. I'm not from Portland. People being like, Minnesota, where's that? Geography. (laughs) (laughs) and so when I went there it was actually really hard for me to as a resident my first year because first I wanted to go and live on the Chinese language floor in GSH Global Scholars Hall because I thought that was really cool and that's an art and academic residential community but when my mom and I were signing up for it She was like, oh, I think you should do this. And I was like, oh, that'd be super cool. I'm so nervous. I probably won't be able to speak enough Chinese to understand people. She's like, you'll learn. Then we found out how much it costs. I was like, and Carson at the time was one of the cheapest places to live on campus. And so another one of the arcs that I wanted to go into was the gender equity floor. And at this point, I had just come out sort of to my family as being not your average girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm not like other girls. I'm different. I'm quirky. <laughs> Although, like, I fought my parents on this, and they're like, I don't want you living in a floor with all these other people. My roommate was a guy, and my mom was like, how is that going to be? I was like, it'll be fine. I don't care. And so I was on, well, you, you were on the fifth floor, right, of Carson? Yeah, I was on the fifth floor, and you were in the third? Second. Second, okay. So I was on second floor, and I can just say the dorms and everything like that was a mess for me. I'll never forget. We were like a couple weeks into first term, and two roommates were dating each other. And then about halfway through the term, they broke up, but we're still living in the same room. And I was like, messy. (laughs) The coolest thing was I did make some friends, and everyone was like, how was it like living on a floor with guys, like having co-ed showers? Me and my best friend, he would text me. He's like, hey, I'm going to go take a shower. You want to come with? And we'd be, yeah. And we would shower at the same time. We'd be in different stalls, and then we would just talk to each other. <laughs> and it was, it was great, and that's what we would do. And it, I know it sounds weird, but it was very – it was fun because sometimes he – I didn't have a speaker. I was broke. <laughs> Central. He had a waterproof speaker, and so he'd bring it in. And I'll be like, yes, go off. Have a blast in the shower. (laughs) I don't know if this is like a dorm thing, but we also did that in fifth floor. The girls Mm -hmm. would be like, oh, we're going to go shower. Let's all shower at the same time. So we would take Mm -hmm. different stalls and someone would choose the music and then we would just jam and then we would just talk to each other like through the stalls. It was something else for sure. And it is kind of a little weird saying it out loud where you're just like, just getting naked together and like, <laughs> what in the what in the locker room is this? <laughs> and I don't, know. I don't know. You would you would grab your shower caddy. You would grab your towel. Hopefully you had your keys and weren't one of those fools who went to the shower and like ah, I locked myself out and you're naked because 
only psychopaths change in the shower. I personally couldn't do it. I could not because it was one of those things that wasn't shelves. I'm like, what if my clean clothes get wet on the floor? I'll be upset. Okay, then I'm a psychopath then because I would only change in the shower because I was very self-conscious. I didn't want people to like see me in the towel, even Mm -hmm. though like everyone else did it. But for some reason, I was like, I was like, well, I can't do this. I was so self-conscious. I was in my short hair, don't care attitude for me (laughs) freshman year. I had a fade. And so I would come out the shower feeling liberated because I would take the shortest showers because I had really no hair to wash. (laughs) And so I'd go back to my room and my roommate, he'd be in there and I'd be like, all right, sir, (laughs) under the blanket, I'm changing. (laughs) I don't know who that was because I won't say that's not me now. Okay. I did see a tweet that this really, this really hits where the tweet was like, do you ever miss your own energy? Like, oh man, I've changed. That's how I feel like thinking about this and reflecting on who I was freshman year. I'm like, damn, I miss my old energy. For me, it's the opposite. I don't miss my energy from freshman year. I am very happy I'm not the same person I was in freshman year. And honestly, I am so sorry for my old roommate. I was the bad roommate. And honestly, it was because I was in a relationship at the time. And I got, it was my first ever relationship. And I didn't know what I was doing. And different from you, I live an hour away. My family lived an hour away from where we went to school. So he lived in this uh, this town I'm in right now or when my parents were so I would like go see him or he would come over and I was just that annoying person and I am so sorry like I'd look back to it and I'm like I hate myself for that and I honestly lost on so many good connections and opportunities just because I was like in my little bubble so when I became an RA I would see my residents I had these boyfriends and would cry over them or just it was a whole mess and I'll be like just just let them go Y'all going to break up in like a few months anyways. <laughs> I, I remember that. I wasn't the best roommate. However, however, I wasn't the worst. <laughs> no. Yeah, same. Like we both kept our sections clean. And it's just that thing with roommates is you're not always going to connect. You're like forced to be with someone you've never known. You've never met. Like that was the case with my roommate and I. We have never met before this. We had like connected on this weird app the university created for like people to find roommates. But we had not known each other. You don't know their habits. You don't know who they are. And then you're just forced to live with each other and like adapt to each other. So I think that was really hard for me. I didn't know what I was doing. And I tried my best, but I feel like I could have been better. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that app, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was like schools or something where you could meet people who were also going there. I will never forgive myself for almost, I'm so glad I didn't, I almost roomed with somebody who, the reason we were about to be roommates was because we both like K-pop. You know what, know who this person was? Who was this person? Those who know, know. Those who do not, here we go. This person is a weeaboo, <laughs> through and through. Not a snow bunny, but somebody who simps for Asian men in the most disgusting and perverted way. Sexualizing them. In like Sexualizing them. Unnecessary ways. Unnecessary kind of way. The, fet- the fetishization alone turned into a weird obsession with anything vaguely Asian. 
like always trying to show off knowledge of Asian culture, not Asian cultures, but Asian culture as a monolith. And then on top of it, when I didn't know any better, now I have to recognize, but I remember as an RA, this person got in trouble for cam work in the dorms. Did you hear about that? I did hear about that. And while I do believe sex work should be decriminalized, you have no idea what 18-year-old, 19-year-old me was like, they doing what? And where? For whomst? Myself is like, this white woman, this wheat-thin, wheat-thin white woman is out here being like, one, I've heard her say, I want to be Korean. Like, my goal is, or she's done the past life stuff. She's like, in my past life, I think I was Asian. <laughs> her boyfriend, <laughs> her boyfriend, I forget who told me this. Oh, I know who did, but I'm not going to say their name. Her boy, they're friends with her boyfriend. And her boyfriend openly said, like, sometimes I only think she's with me because I'm Asian. Oh, messy. I hope he's okay. Wherever that man is today, I hope you're okay, sir. Yes. I've he- I-, I heard your struggles, and I see you. And I recognize your struggles. And I hope you have grown from them. Yeah, and then going into sex work, like, you do you. No judgment. I support you. You get your money. Like, go you. But just, like, the whole fetish thing, like, her whole premise was, like, just not okay. I was going to be roommates with that person. And then I did, we were RAs together. And I learned more and more about them. Man. Do you remember who your RAs were your freshman year? Of course I remember. Love them. They were great. I will tell you about the RA that made me an RA. Not because they were great, but because they were so terrible. I was like, something needs to be done. I got to change the system. Who are y'all hiring? Okay. This man's on the gender equity floor. Gay. Mexican. I remember people being like, yo, I just had a one-on-one with so-and-so. He has a Daddy Trump poster in his room. It made so many people uncomfortable on this queer floor being like, you said homest? You support homestiv? What? I, I remember it got, oh, it's so bad. As an RA, I now know how awful this was, but I would avoid this person when it came to one-on-ones i was like you make me so uncomfortable you yeah. really out here and this is like the rise of trump which mm-hmm. will probably be a feature film in the near future like the rise and downfall and downfall yes praise jesus um <laughs> <laughs> he just oh i would avoid him he was really out here he like what was his name what's that what's that one guy who was like who coined the phrase gays for trump and like called trump daddy or whatever it's like milo yiannopoulos or something he came to campus i saw my ra organizing the young republicans and i was just like you disgust me (laughs) like oh could never be me And that is when I was just like, oh, and another reason why I became an RA. So one terrible RA who made everyone feel uncomfortable. But additionally, I didn't know this until like towards the end, like spring term of my freshman year. But there was a lot of self-harm going on, a lot of ideation, Mm -hmm. and a lot of substance abuse that our RAs knew of Mm -hmm. and didn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. 
And I was just like, yo, like, for example, my first term of college, I've never been around people who drank or smoked. Funny story about when I discovered what the smell of marijuana was. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what's that smell? And they're like, Breezy, that's weed. Are you serious? That's what my brother smells like. I thought that was his cologne. No. <laughs> I also had a moment where one of my friends was walking around drinking a beer in like a tea bottle. And I was like, oh, that tea smells like wet bread. And they're like, Breezy, this is beer. <laughs> no, I feel you. I was very innocent. I think the first time I discovered what weed smelled like was RA training when the officer came and like showed us weed and like examples and like made everyone smell it. I was like, this is what it smells like? Mm-hmm. I, had, I was so innocent. And my first time drinking ever was freshman year in the dorms. So I might share that story. Should I share it? <laughs> if you want, my first drinking experience, it's a video of me with a shot of vodka and lemon juice. Not lemonade, lemon juice. is It is out there. I have it. And it's just, I still don't like alcohol. So thanks, y'all, for giving me the nastiest drink possible to just steer me away from an alcoholic life. Okay, so my first time drinking, I was a freshman. I was scared. So our friend Chelly was like, you know what? One night, one Friday night, we're going to get together. We're going to drink and I'm going to take care of you and everything is going to be fine. I was like, okay, like, you know, warming up to the idea. And then the night comes and I was just like, they just gave me shots and different drinks and I was going for it. And we were in someone's dorm. I forgot whose room we were in. And it got to a point where Chelly was like, you know what? You've had enough. It's time to go to bed. But the funny thing is my RA Molly comes out and she's like, no, Andy, stay lit. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know who you are right now. I can't recognize you. I'm just trying to go to bed. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that was the first time I drank. <laughs> the first time I drank, I just drank one. I was like, this is nasty. And I refused to participate any further. But I remember the first time I dealt with a drunk person. So my roommate, my freshman year roommate was a small ginger. I'm five foot zero, five foot nothing. Okay. My roommate was shorter than me by a couple of inches. Skinny, blow away in the wind type of kid. He was drinking all of a sudden. And I'm over here playing parental figure, watching everyone. He is sitting on the floor, turns over his shoulder and throws up in someone's sweater. (laughs) I got to take him home. He threw up on himself and I am dragging his body to our room. He cannot walk. He is walking on my bare feet. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. He's covered in vomit, and I'm not going to put him in our room like that. So I take him to the shower. He throws up on my bare feet because I'm in the shower trying to clean him up. Okay, so I washed him off, and the entire time he's, like, saying sorry, and I'm trying to get him to hold on to something so he doesn't fall in the shower. And so I wrap him in a towel, drag him into our room. My friends eventually show up, and like, how is he? Is he okay? He can't sit up, and he's still throwing up. I have them still wrapped in the towel. My friends bring one of those, you know, those big clear garbage bags, those dorm garbage bags. <laughs> they bring me one of those and he can't sit up to throw up in the, the thing. And I'm like, okay. So I end up crawling up on the bed, sitting behind him to form like a, a back. He's like in my lap so I can sit him up. He's still throwing up. I'm in tears at this point. I'm thinking man's going to die but I'm not calling the RAs because I'm like, I will die. (laughs) I'm in tears. And everyone's like, Breezy, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to go to bed now. And then I'm just left in tears 
holding <laughs> my barely conscious roommate. I am so surprised that man did not die that night. That was when I had my first experience with a drunk person. Honestly, props to you. You are a true hero. You went because a lot of people just been like deuces. They were just left in there. People just leave. People, I'm like, that's dangerous. Oh my gosh, the amount of people I've just found abandoned by their friends in bathrooms. I don't understand that. Maybe because we're both very maternal. I don't mm. know what it is, but if I see someone in need, especially in that state, I'm not gonna abandon them, especially if they're my friends. The amount of people that just leave their so-called friends to like pretty much die, and You're like. Outside in cold bathrooms, on the floor in public places, or the craziest for me is people who will leave them just shy of making it to their room. Yeah. And I'm like, ma'am, the boy lives like five feet down and y'all just left him here. Y'all couldn't have at least got him into his bed. People are going into college and hearing this or haven't gone through it already. If someone leaves you, and you're, like, in a state similar to that, they're not your real friends. Mm -hmm. Drop them. They're going to pretend to be your friends, but they're really not. I remember this group of girls went out to have, a like, a night out or whatever they were doing, and they came back and left their friend out in a bush somewhere. And I'm yep. like, they don't know where they are. And you know how dangerous to be a woman out at night in a mm -hmm. college campus? You know how dangerous that is? So whenever anything like that happens, it, like, sends me. It makes me so upset. And I would tell my residents, a thing that I was always, every single year, to my residents, I'm like, just be safe, take care of each other, make sure everything's consensual, mm -hmm. and I will not get mad at you. Because a lot of RAs were, like, more narcs, and they were just out for blood. Mm -hmm. As for me, I'm just like, I just want y'all to be safe. Mm -hmm. I just want you to get home and be okay. So look out for each other. If you don't want to call the RAs, at least look out for each other. But mm -hmm. whenever you're in a bad situation, you can call me and I will be there and I will not judge you. Yes. I am there to make sure you're safe. But I feel like a lot of kids thought that I was there to like just get them in trouble, mm -hmm. which was not the situation at all. I just wanted them to be safe. Yeah. And that leans into some unsolicited advice for the day. People who abandon you, who leave you at your most vulnerable and at your lowest are no friend, no kin, no acquaintance of yours. Those are those people preying on your downfall. I don't care if it's something as simple as, oh, you were a difficult drunk or you were going through things. If people leave you, abandon you, push you to the side at any level, those are not your friends. You need to unfollow unfriend and move on because that's disgusting i know and then the university of oregon it's a very white institution and mm -hmm. fraternity sorority life is very big mm -hmm. so i feel like something i would encounter a lot were these girls i was never part of that but my residents were and they were like oh but she's my sister like i'm going through initiation like it's just part of the process and i'm like no no they are they're abandoning you and you could have died and they did not care. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, just the whole frat sorority thing is a very toxic environment. So yeah, you mentioned two things that I want to speak on. One, narc RAs, those who are out yeah. for blood. Mm -hmm. I must admit, I was one of those, but 
not for the not for the people. I was an RA of the people. Yeah. I was a narc when it came to those disrespectful little frat boys, those hee hee ha ha sorority girls, and anybody else who gave me, my co's, or the people I care about any sort of attitude. Yeah. My first year as an RA, I lived in the building with the most conduct, the most attitude. It was just the worst building for like the past couple of years. Just to clarify, that was LLC. <laughs> Living Learning Center. <laughs> and I had people, one, death threats against RAs. They were like, so-and-so should die, booing RAs in public spaces, harassing them, all that type of stuff. And so I remember it was one night. It was me and this girl, Isabella. She was a senior and she's like, I've done this before. We went on rounds ready for it all. And ooh, I lived for it. It was just because it was all the all the awful people who had already given us attitude, harassed my coworkers, have been disrespectful to us, harassed my residents. I was on the the Emoja arc, so like the black student floor, and we had a we had our sign with our name on it, and somebody had drawn a dick on it. I was like, I know who y'all are. I'm ready. I'm ready. And we get on the floor. It's loud. Okay, first thing we see, a door open. And they're playing beer pong. Knocks on the door. RA on call. But right, you hear like, oh no. Music goes off. La, 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 la. Wait, didn't you say the door was open? Yeah. So the they, when we said RA on call, they had they saw us coming because when you, we came on the floor, mm-hmm. they they had started to notice our rounds because this is a whole other thing. But RA was snitching on us to the residents, being like, they can't do these things. Or like, here's when we go on rounds. So. We walk past the door. They see us shut the door. And I'm like, you see what I see? It really felt like one of those moments. And so we knock our own call. They're panicking. Open the door. We already saw it. Isabella goes into the room. We see three unopened brand new bottles of Svedka. All of this Mike's Hard Lemonade. We see all of this New Amsterdam. Some bottles of tequila. Some bottles of wine unopened. We line these kids up, single file, a bottle in each hand, and hear them go glug, glug, glug down the laundry room drain. Okay, and I was just like, that was real satisfying. (laughs) Because I know I recognize these little kids. It's the girl who gave me attitude that one time. Like, so I was just like, whatever. We go and write the report. I loved when they gave attitude because... I live for just those moments where I can get real deep and serious with a monotone. What you're not going to do is give me all this attitude. Mm-hmm. I'm here to do a job. You know the rules. We explained it to you. If anything, we gave you an option. Don't drink in your dorms and we won't have a problem. You drank and now it's my problem. Yeah. So bring all of your items out and we can move on from this. Yeah. I, I live for that because... I think it is my sworn duty as a queer person of color mm-hmm. to put rich, white, cis-head, privileged people in their place. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my moment to shine. I was a narc, but I was a narc for the people. Okay. You have no idea how many times I've written up people because they exposed themselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like 70% of the write-ups I did was because I was just minding my own business, walking around, and they decided to smoke in the middle of the hall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, drinking or being obnoxiously loud way past quiet hours. And I'm like, 
this could have been so easily avoided if y'all would just be careful. Yeah. It was it was a lot of foolishness, a lot of empty headedness running around in the form of eighteen year olds. <laughs> my first year as an RA was awful. I kinda got like bullied by my residents and my co's. I definitely cried a lot. I cried my first day as an RA. For those of y'all who are moving into LLC second floor north, the person crying underneath the staircase, that was me. <laughs> Do you remember when someone threw a microwave out of third floor? Do not remember that, but I do remember the one thing that no one prepares you for in college, in life, really. It's never spoken about. There's no after-school special. No one teaches you how to deal with people who stink. Mm. The person who lived across me my senior year smelled so bad from their room alone Mm-hmm. My friends would no longer wish to come and visit me. Oh my god. There were so many complaints mm-hmm. that RA training changed to include one of those scenarios where you have to tell someone that they stink. They trained us for that, but like when it actually happens to you, you just really don't know how to approach it. Because it's like, yo, like you stink. And yeah. I feel like sometimes some people, they shower and for some reason, they just smell worse. They smell wet. They smell wet. Yeah. And I don't know what you do or how you're showering, but mm-mm. It really pu- it pushed me to a brink where I was like, I'm willing to sacrifice my eyes and my comfortability and pr- privacy. I will take you into this shower and I will teach you how to bathe. <laughs> <laughs> but that was one of the things that you had to deal with a lot. Just people Dunk. You had roommates in damn near tears being like, I can't live like this. They smell so bad. Another way in which I was sheltered was from the after school special known as sex. I really, all, all of my knowledge came from horny fan fiction writers. Oh my God. <laughs> and so when I came to live on campus, one freshman year co-ed bathrooms we had a someone who lived next to us who was very weird they didn't have any concept of boundaries but then my friends and my roommate and i discovered that this person had a quirk Mm -hmm. they would always go into the bathroom late at night like two in the morning sit down in a stall and if you were in there if you had to pee if you got up anything and you sat down they would always sit in the stall closest to a person Mm-hmm. and whimper. I'm over here thinking, one, uncomfortable. Why'd you come and sit in the stall right next to mine? Yeah. Two, I remember at the, towards the end of the year, or like, I don't know when, I would like told my friends, and I was like, I don't know what's wrong with them. They obviously need some fiber in their diet. I'm over here thinking they're struggling and constipated. My friends look at me and are like, breezy. <laughs> You really thought they were constipated at two in the morning? (laughs) Another part of the the story, another plot twist. Okay. This person lived in a single. They didn't have a roommate. Okay. They didn't have to do this. They just got their socks off, their rocks off, whatever the, whatever the euphemism is. Yeah. By doing it in public. Oh. 
And so those whimpers, I'm over here thinking like, you need an apple, fiber one bar, something. <laughs> this also another story of when I, this is a year later, but I still not learning things. Mm-hmm. I had one of my roommate, uh, one of my residents come to my room being like, is there someone playing a basketball, like playing with a basketball in the halls or something? And I was like, oh, I don't hear anything. Like a couple days later, I hear doom, doom, do, 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 doom, doom. I hit the ceiling because mm-hmm. I was like, Who, you're not supposed to have, like, you're not supposed to play sports in the halls kind of thing. And I was, art, I had a headache. So I, I tear out my room. All of my residents have popped their head out trying to figure out where this sound is coming from. Yeah. I see one of my co-RAs and I'd be like, you, come with me. <laughs> we go upstairs. I'm banging on doors. I'm like, you got a basketball in here? Oh I'm banging, and I bang on a door and this person takes a real long while to get to the door and I'm like oh you have a basketball don't you oh my god <laughs> the innocence the innocence guy comes to the door with a jacket wrapped around his waist girl is in bed mm-hmm. when I tell you I look like a fish out of water just uh 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 stop playing sports in the halls and then left <laughs> is that what you said like word for word breezy yeah. oh no <laughs> and then i went downstairs mortified and my residents were like so do they have a basketball and i was like i hate y'all <laughs> were they trying to play you i don't know i don't think so i think they really thought someone was dribbling mm-hmm. oh my goodness For me, my last year, because I didn't have to do write-ups, I still wrote the most because, and Miles Lee Marrow would have the audacity to say to me, Breezy, you're nosy, aren't you? Damn. And I'm over here like, sir, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. I was in my pajamas, okay? Mm -hmm had my laptop, was gonna go watch a movie. I had my ice cream in hand, and then I get somebody banging at the door all frantic. I'm minding my business! Or, I'm in my room, getting ready for bed. Hello? Can you help? (laughs) They come and find me. (laughs) I'm minding my business. And just to clarify to everyone, our last year at the University of Oregon, Breezy was not longer an RA. They were, what was the, your title? It was a resident assistant coordinator. Yeah, so their job wasn't to do typical RA stuff. They were kind of like above the RA. They were like more in charge and had to do other stuff. But Breezy ended up doing a bunch of write-ups anyway. Yeah, I just write-ups. The amount of time I've had to interact with the police, unwillingly so. I hate the police. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just ooh. them with their ugly little haircuts, their ugly uniforms. Why do you need that many damn pockets? On top of that, they're, they're just useless. You call them. Yeah. Oh, what did you need? Well, I mean, I called you 20 minutes ago for this big old fight, but y'all showed up so late. The fight is gone. Okay. You a PD? Useless. <laughs> the U in UOPD stands for useless. <laughs> useless Oregon Police Department. Mm-hmm. Also, 
I just remembered this. Oh, you ever have moments that you're like, I repressed the hell out of that. In LLC, when I was an RA in LLC, I called pro staff because of this group of kids sitting in a circle outside with candles. It just felt like a seance. It felt real creepy Mm -hmm. and I wasn't with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was my snitchiest moment where (laughs) they're just, they're minding their business, but you made me uncomfortable. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. It was like this circle of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. But I just remember that and I was like, nothing was ever done. (laughs) I guess, you know, I should have just minded my business, but when you see candlelight, I it was like, is it a vigil? Are we under attack? Yeah. Is it a clan rally? What is it? Yeah, I mean, besides the fact that frats and sororities are just a cult overall. Do you know those days when they wear white? Mm-hmm. Oh, I shed tears when my friend told me she joined a frat, or not mm-hmm. frat, a sorority. I was like, no. And she was like, yeah, I have these sisters, and we're the, we're the defining chapter of our university, and on Mondays we wear white. First of all, there is no non-creepy point in which a group of people can wear all white, like, and move around in herds, okay? I don't know what the druids are up to, but it ain't that. The druids ain't all in all white. Like, it's... It's not even, what the, not the druids, who are they? The, the people from that scary movie Midsummer or something, whatever, the cult, where it's like, they're all dressed in white and they wear flowers. That's the vibes it gives me. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I can, like, you, you a Satanist? Okay, cool, just don't wear all white. All white makes me, oh, all white makes, for, the, for our audience, I just had this moment of clarity. All white makes me uncomfortable, because I'm black, and the only people who wear all white on the clan, in my opinion. <laughs> you wearing all white? That's a clansman. That's a clansman. <laughs> I, I was really trying to figure out, like, why does all white make me uncomfortable? Ah, racism. Hate groups. Yeah. If we're going into the sorority fraternity, like, aspect, let's just talk about how it's, it is such a scam. Mm-hmm. It is such a scam. You're paying people to be your friend. Mm-hmm. And not always your friend. They're like, there's always drama there. And I know this because I went through three years in the dorms. Well, four years. Three of them, which was, I was an RA. Three of which my my kids, my the girls or the guys, whatever, would come to me and tell me these stories. And I'm like, why are you choosing to be here? I know. So you're literally paying them so much money to be with them. Then you have to like accumulate points and they use this like oh you need to go do charity work or something like that but if you don't accumulate enough points then you live in this porch and it's like they cram a bunch of girls together in one room and Mm. it's like bunk beds and like what kind of military like boot camp is this that y'all are like forced Mm. to live in this one room all crammed together if you don't get enough points or something like that and I'm just, I've never really understood the point of sororities and frats. Like, I've just seen it like a, a way of white people to show their status and just get together, make a mess, do parties. Like, so many frats had to be closed down because of sexual assault, mm-hmm. just all the things, drug abuse, and just, and that reminds me of this one story of, I don't know if you remember, but the University of Oregon, we had, we had wild turkeys at one point. Mm-hmm. They were there from freshman year, and I saw them grow up from little babies into, like, these big ones. And then, I don't know where they stopped showing up on campus. Turns out that one of the frats grabbed one of them 
intoxicated the poor turkey and the turkey got ran over by a car because it was intoxicated. And I'm like, what? Why didn't? For those of you who don't know, the university that we went to was where they shot the movie Animal House. So imagine that vibe. Animal House, but make it real. And then on top of that, Rush Week, all those, all those poor baby girls crying, Mm -hmm. like being rejected, feeling hopeless, getting sick as well. (gasps) My first year as an RA, I was, I was determined to keep the children from (laughs) the the Greek life. Mm -hmm. And then we got, we got a talking to my second year about it's rush week. You all need to be supportive and not cast judgment. Some people are looking for this and I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. I'll just keep it to myself. But you know, if you're into that, like, you do you. You do you. But we're just saying our experiences as women of color, seeing and experiencing all this sorority frat life, and it's just not pretty. And this is like real life events. Like, we saw these things. We heard these things. Like, this is not made up stuff. Like, Do you remember the year when all those frat boys kept dying? Three of them from one house, and then the, the one that got in the news where the the boy passed away at Lake Shasta at their, like, thing. You know what? I'm going to interrupt you really fast. The University of Oregon did a great job hiding all those things. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, the university quiet. Yep. I only found out all those people had passed away because one night I was walking the building and they left the door open and they had a bottle of Captain Morgan's and they were all pretty like belligerent drunk. And I was like, I have to take this away. And they were screaming at me. It's like, you don't understand. My friend just passed away. This is so effed up. And then they tried to get physical with me and my co. They tried to physically separate us. And then the only sober people to hold them back were these two little white girls, but these boys were trying to fight us. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's how I found out about that. Yeah. Was, the university really said, what about our endowment that's another thing too where automatically that seems suspicious yeah why would you try and quiet something you weren't involved with or didn't feel a certain responsibility to Mm -hmm. but that's none of my business but uh we are definitely gonna do this into a two-part series or maybe three depending because there's being an RA going to the University of Oregon there's just so much that happened Mm -hmm. so it's kind of impossible to put all of this into just one 45 minute episode so we will come again and we're gonna share more experiences more stories as we end this episode i just want to give a shout out to the ras that are doing their job during the pandemic i don't really know how things are going down i don't really know how the system is working right now because i did leave we did graduate before all of this happened but i've heard them talk and they told me some stories and it just sounds like they're not being taken care of and the system and just the cleanliness is just not where it's supposed to be so shout out to y'all for doing your job it's not easy we see your work you're doing good work honestly and you deserve better yeah it's also to those residents that are living in the dorms because i'm gonna say when i was my first year as a resident i was sick the entire year Mm-hmm. My nickname my freshman year was Page Zero because mm-hmm. I was sick all the time. And there was way before the pandemic. So, and it's just because the building is dirty. It's an old, like the buildings are gross, they're old, and you're interacting with so many people all the time. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. So that's it for today. As always, 
Thank you for tuning into Therapy Check. If you want and you're feeling interested, you feel frisky, you can go and follow me on Twitter at Libra Thugga. That's Libra, the star sign, and Thugga, T-H-U-G-G-A. I sometimes post funny things, relatable things, or I just invoke repressed memories that you may have. So definitely check that out. All right. And if you want to follow me on Twitter as well, it is Torres with four R's and one. So I'm just going to spell it out because it's kind of weird. So it's T-O-R-R underscore R-R-E-S one. So you want to follow me there and then there's going to be a link to the podcast. So you'll know it's me. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it is Andy underscore Torres H-U. So just follow me on that. Reason since I have an Instagram. So the goal is y'all will never know what I look like. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. That's it. And as always, eat them rich. We'll see you next week. Bye.